Welcome to The Rundown, HUCP's podcast highlighting startups from around the Harvard community and beyond. I'm Grace Sen, your host for today, and I'm the Managing Director of External Initiatives with HUCP and a student at the Harvard College. And I am beyond excited to welcome the amazing Adam Schwartzberg, founder and CEO of Almond Finance, a company that is really making a difference in the entrepreneurial world by providing capital to entrepreneurs in developing economies. Adam, do you want to kick it off and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Thanks a lot, Grace. Uh, so I'm the uh, CEO of Almond. Uh, it's a startup I got off the ground uh, early last year while at MIT. Uh, it's basically part of this uh, larger ongoing personal project I've had over the past decade plus <laughs> to assist uh, people in developing regions primarily uh, by providing uh, tools and technology needed to um, strengthen, uh, strengthen them, their families, and their communities. Um, Right now, I am uh, I'm at Harvard. That's how we got connected, uh, where I'm continuing to uh, build this up. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, kind of the Genesis project or like where this personal project began? Uh, yeah, so the genesis of the project to include the to include uh, the Ge the Genesis Network, which is a, an NGO <laughs> that was founded as part of this. Sure, absolutely. Bit of a a bit of a story, but. Um, Basically, uh, after my first year of college, uh, feeling a little uh, disenfranchised, not exactly sure what I was doing or why. Uh, so just took some time away from school, uh, rode my bike around Europe, got the travel bug, ended up out in Asia, in Vietnam, doing a photography program. Started working for an NGO that was focused on disability rights, which was, uh, which was pretty, pretty sweet. Um, I uh, ended up helping develop a vocational training uh, uh, center for people with physical disabilities. And for the first time, I was like, wow, uh, this actually matters. This is something that, um, you know, something that's useful and I kind of want to stick to this. Uh, whatever this feeling is, like, let's keep it up. Uh, so I ended up staying out there for a few more months. The tsunami hit in uh, Thailand. Um, and then I was like, I should go help out there. So um, I drove my uh, very, very old uh, Belarus Minsk motorcycle um, from uh, Hanoi down through Southeast Asia to Thailand uh, to, um, to just help out on a reconstruction site. Um, so this was like right after the tsunami hit. So it was a bit of a, um, a bit of mayhem and uh, a lot of need for some support. Uh, basically, uh, I was supposed to be there for a couple of weeks and then like drive, I had this epic plan to drive my motorcycle back to like St. Petersburg, like all the way across Central Asia and the whole nine yards. But uh, the project was so rewarding. Um, just every day we're like, you know, we're building, you know, laying foundations or laying bricks, building homes for people that, you know, lost a family member or something. Uh, so I ended up being there for about eight months. Um, and, uh, and eventually they asked me to manage the project. So it kept me there a little bit longer than anticipated. But uh, during that time, I became aware of these problems related to, um, you know, human trafficking and child prostitution specifically and uh, the, the horrors that came along uh, with that for so many people. And I decided I wanted to do something about that, uh, which led me to um, the idea that I would start this NGO, uh, which is uh, the gen ended up being the uh, Genesis Network. It was called uh, Kid Launch. It's one of the first projects that we built within it. But um, the idea was that it would help counter human trafficking and child prostitution um, and also focus on prevention. At the same time, I was like, I, I actually met some uh, ex-Special Forces guys who were um, helping or like doing uh, kind of rescue operations for kids from brothels. And I was like, wow, those guys are awesome. So I should do that too and develop the skills to like actually counter the, counter these criminal organizations. So 
basically went back to school, finished school, did like this officer training program, joined the military, started this NGO. We started building schools through the NGO at the same time as in the military, you know, doing that thing. Um, and uh, but the bottom line was like after we, you know, we're doing all these uh, you know, counter trafficking uh, activities and, and, and rescue operations and the the reality is that, um, you know, we can take a bunch of kids off the streets or, you know, help a bunch of people, but no matter what, like the supply and the demand is still there. And even if we counted the networks, like kids would just show back up again. So why, where were they coming from? And um, ultimately it was from like these really underdeveloped regions that didn't have access to like basic uh, social support, uh, infrastructure, services, education, uh, economic opportunities. And so uh, recruitment into black market economies uh, and, and slave labor specifically was um, very prevalent. So I was like, all right, let's find a way to um, uh, address this problem. And, uh, and that's where it kind of, you know, the, the education project sort of evolved even more. We ended up building about seven schools and then some vocational training programs therein. Uh, but there was something else I was seeing. Um, and that was like all this entrepreneurial capacity uh, that you know, people had for different things, whether it's agriculture or, or um, like manufacturing or what have you. But there was that there was something missing, like the tools to like really fulfill that capacity. And it all kind of boiled down to like a lack of access to financial services. So that could have been a, um, you know, a loan to buy a piece of equipment to make you more efficient on your farm or, or, or what have you. Uh, it could have been the ability to better connect with markets um, to actually sell your goods at like a better price. So uh, that then turned into, all right, well, why, why don't we have Why don't you have access to financial services? Okay, well, there's this traditional banking infrastructure doesn't even exist here. Microfinance institutions can't reach here. It's too costly. Uh, but there was another piece that kind of uh, popped up or, you know, um, that made me think a little bit more about this. And that was that in uh, this particular focus area now on the Myanmar side of the Myanmar Thailand border where we're working, 95% of the, there's like a 95% mobile phone saturation rate, yet only about 20% of the people had any sort of access to um, banking services. And those numbers really haven't, or those are generally the numbers now, and they weren't that much different then. Um, only more connectivity now, of course. So you've got mobile phone connectivity. We have mobile financial services around the world. Why can't we make this work there? So that's where Almond really got started. Um, we needed a better way to extend these financial services and in the absence of like traditional banking infrastructure or lending agents, a better way to evaluate uh, default risk in the absence of conventional credit history and so on and so forth. Then I decided like, all right, well, that requires a little bit of extra technical know-how. So uh, decided to come to uh, MIT and then ended up doing the joint program with uh, Harvard because of the uh, you know tremendous like expertise and resources uh, here. So uh, that's where we are. That's how I got here. And uh, and the next step is getting this thing out the door. So if people have the resources they need to strengthen themselves and their families and communities economically, so they're not as vulnerable to these like exploitative, um, uh, uh, like more criminally oriented organizations. Yeah. Okay. So that was actually a short story long, but uh, <laughs> a long story even longer. I don't know. <laughs> Thank you so much for the brief overview. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to dig into there. Um, and also thank you for kind of answering that previous question that I had about um, why Myanmar. Um, I guess I was wondering um, how did you end up kind of deciding to uh, brand this operation and maybe like what's behind the name as well? 
Oh, uh, almond specifically? Yeah. Yeah, so um, almond generally brings with it like a positive connotation about, you know, the emerging kind of like harvest season. It's like one of the first, uh, you know, uh, you know, the first to flower basically. It generally um, has like a, um, it's like a, a good sign of what's to come. And uh, the idea with almond is that um, this is like representing a new opportunity and good things to come. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of how it, that, that, that's how it came to be. In addition to the fact that it was fairly easy to say um, and, uh, and catchy um, and, and, so, and the alternatives were, were not quite as good. So <laughs> the process of elimination as well. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I like the symbolism there. Um, and I also like the fact that you guys are really targeting the lost Einsteins of um, kind of these developing markets. Um, is there something that uh, you think as an entrepreneur allows uh, or gives you some insight into like what entrepreneur need, what entrepreneur needs are in these developing markets and also kind of how to find these lost Einsteins? Because I think that's probably typically the hardest part. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I mean, they're just honestly rather simple tools that maybe we take for granted a little bit, just kind of like we were uh, discussing a moment ago, the um, just having access to some capital. Uh, so for example, You've got a you've got a farmer who's, who's using a shovel to till the land. There's only so much that he can do with that shovel, but he's never going to generate potentially enough revenue to buy a tractor. Uh, so if you can get a small loan to buy a tractor, uh, he's going to be able to till like ten times as much loan or uh, land, and they'd be able to repay that loan and continue to generate more more revenue. So it's just like a simple kind of fix like that. Um, another piece of it is. Um, you know, you're, you're, you've already made this, you've got this great product that you're creating. It could be something as, as simple um, as a, a piece of furniture or some nice wood or, you've, or, a, or a basket, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, but how, where, what, what market are you bringing it to? How do you connect with that market? So like Almond, for example, not only can facilitate you getting approved for a loan and then have money sent to you via your mobile device, it also has uh, in this second stage that we'll be launching, it'll have a, a marketplace uh, that'll help you connect your products with those or services with people that actually need them. Uh, I remember this, this one specific example of a, a farmer we were working with in one of these communities. He, um, he would go to get to like buy seed each, um, each season. Like it was like a couple of times, one, uh, twice a year, I think it was. And, uh, and he'd be traveling like a hundred miles almost to buy this seed. And he'd be paying like twice as much as he could have paid for it if he knew about this um, other location that was, you know, uh, uh, half as far away. We ended up not even realizing that until um, we were doing like, we were actually building a school and it was very collaborative. We were bringing all these surrounding communities together to like actually put it together, pool their resources. In the course of pooling the resources to build a school, they found that they had all these other resources um, that uh, they could exchange in this, you know, a same quality seed, uh, much closer at a better price was one of those things. So the marketplace is a way to help people, help businesses, help entrepreneurs onboard and represent what they have to sell, uh, to, to, to sell, um, and then and then also help people that are looking for the same thing at a better rate, and you know, reduce all of these economic inefficiencies like excessive travel or paying, you know, more than is needed for something. 
Yeah, that feature sounds really awesome. Um, you were also kind of talking about another feature um, that you guys are launching in terms of um, kind of debt and credit evaluation. Can you talk a little bit to that? Um, yeah, so uh, basically the way this works is, um, first of all, like the kind of the first phase is this it, of, of, of the uh, platforms launches this payments exchange. So basically, Almond provides um, interoperability between existing mobile financial services uh, and wallet, like mobile wallets. So peer to peer transfers, transactions, remittances uh, across existing providers, either domestically or internationally. Um, what that allows is for us to combine a significant amount of information about, um, you know, just economic patterns and individual like uh, cash flow um, histories that can be utilized in the absence of like that, that sort of um, data that would otherwise inform a like a credit score or uh, other, other um, data points that are used in default risk evaluation. So by bringing that information together on a single platform, we are able to complete or provide a more complete profile of somebody's uh, ability to repay a loan. There are other components to that as well, like we, we were talking about just before uh, before this call, which is more on the uh, kind of psychometrics uh, side of things. So we also want to have an idea of, um, we want to have a better way of evaluating people's behavioral characteristics that are associated with, um, uh, with re the repayment of a loan if they don't have like any historical data, there's just no way to, to like evaluate an application without someone physically being there complete a survey. And so the, we have a couple different things in the works. We're basically creating like a, an engaging, easy to use, sort of low fidelity, uh, gamified evaluation, which can make us aware of someone's like strengths or weaknesses with respect to their understanding of like the time value of money and cash management. And even if they're unable to like qualify uh, for a loan through this, this evaluation, the other data points that we're able to collect through our platform, um, then the intent is we'll be able to connect them with tools that will improve financial literacy and then ultimately uh, get them uh, approved for a loan in the future. So the, the ultimate goal here is to make people like people not, not to only not to, to not only like uh, evaluate people um, to, to like improve the process to ensure more people can get loans, but also those who currently can't for some reason um, or don't like understand how to best manage that process, help them um, like from the education side of things to uh, get approved at some point in the future. So got a few, we got a few <laughs> successive like phases here that we're, we're going to be working into this, um, this little venture here. Yeah. yeah, I really, really like that ideation and also kind of the educational reform approach that you guys are taking to that. Um, yes, uh, I guess. So now for all of the entrepreneurial listeners to this podcast, um, is there something that you'd uh, like to tell them or any lessons that you've learned by being in the entrepreneurship game for so long? Um. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it really all comes down to, uh, you know, finding something that you're passionate about. Um, I think when you find something you're passionate about, you'll, it'll be, it'll become something you have to do, which means uh, you won't be able to turn back or really give up, which also means you'll be working through a lot of difficulties. But at the same time, you will work through the difficulties. Uh, there's just nothing that'll stop you. You just you, you'll, you'll find a way. Just just keep moving forward. So I think as long as you figure out that first part, like 
that thing you're passionate about, what do you value most? What do you care about most? And, and you really believe and you really internalize it, like the rest, the rest will happen. It, it, the, the course that you're gonna take could be all over the place. Um, and the, the obstacles could just be endless, but um, I think eventually uh, that, that's what's gonna get you there more, more so than anything else. Uh, and then I guess the, what I would say, <laughs> given, given that, um, is to also find joy in the process uh, and, and even the hard things. Uh, and then if you can do that, then everything becomes easy. You're gonna have something that pulls you forward that helps you navigate every challenge, but also you start to like enjoy the challenges and enjoy the process. And, uh, and it can be pretty fun, pretty fun and exciting, even if you're not sleeping much and drinking, you know, a dozen cups of coffee a day, like uh, somebody I know. <laughs> the timing there, impeccable. Um, yeah, yeah, as I take a sip of my like giant espresso. <laughs> Kind of to your previous point about, I guess, the pain points of being an entrepreneur. Is there something that you anticipate Almond Finance um, kind of struggling with within the coming months? Or you were also talking about, uh, to some extent, COVID limiting your travel and accessibility to Myanmar. Um, yeah, if you could kind of elaborate on that. Um, yeah, yeah. I think kind of the, the, the obvious challenge right now for, for Myanmar is the coup. Um, I think ideally you don't like you wouldn't choose to to launch a startup in the middle of a pandemic um, and and a coup uh, simultaneously like dealing with those makes makes it more uh, makes the process more colorful um, but uh, that's definitely something we're gonna have to work through um, as far as almonds concerned you know we're still moving uh, along at a good pace uh, product development we're, we obviously have to make some adjustments to our strategic approach and how we prioritize certain efforts in certain countries. We're also uh, looking at the at Thailand as well. So how we phase different components in could be adjusted. Uh, but I think, you know, just just in the spirit of like making the best of things, we also look at this through the lens that um, you know the, the the situation in Myanmar and the coup specifically just makes the need for like an inclusive platform that really is democratizing access to financial services uh, is, is that much more important. Um, just as like COVID resulted in, in limitations in like mobility, uh, which created a significant uptick in like, digital payments and e-commerce, uh, you know, something like this could have a very, very similar effects. So if, you know, maybe we're, maybe, the, maybe we're um, a, an even more important solution now than we would have been uh, before. Uh, so, you know, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and, uh, and hope, and, and we'll, we'll make the adjustments that we need to, to the technology and to the platform to ensure that we're really serving the current needs of, um, you know, the people that we're trying to, uh, trying to benefit here. Yes. I, um, kind of really appreciate that persistence. And I think that's a hundred percent, a huge thing that you need as an entrepreneur, um, yeah, kind of going back to what you consider your greatest accomplishment to be. Um, I know you've, you've been able to like found an NGO at the Genesis, the Genesis network. Um, and also this kind of branch off of that almond finance. Um, but uh, as a person yourself, you've also been in the army, um, in the special forces. Um, yeah. What is the one thing that you're most proud of? Uh, 
I get that. I think it's probably, um, you know, more, most recently. So a lot of the schools we developed through the NGO or, um, you know, for younger kids, like, you know, it's primary education. Um, but seeing some of the kids from like the first couple of schools early on now, like reaching college, uh, it like doing undergraduate work in like a city or something, um, this coming from a community that never sent anybody to school or had any access to education is like the most, is, is the clearest like um, representation of like a meaningful, like sustainable impact. I mean, I think there are a lot of things that you know, that have happened where I can say like, ah, oh, that's a good thing. Um, I'm really, I'm really proud of that. But this is, I think that to create something that doesn't need you anymore to be a part of it, to continue like have it like being positive for, for others. Um, that's, that's kind of the dream, like, you know, and that's what I'm hoping for with Almond is that, you know, we create something that people can just take themselves and like use to help themselves and whatever makes the most sense for them in, in, and for their family or for their community and their, you know, in their town and their their state and their country, whatever, like just make it your own. Uh, that's 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 what really what I'm uh, hoping for next. But, mm. Yeah. How are you guys uh, kind of getting the word out about uh, almond finance in Myanmar? Um, how do those partnerships work? Yeah. So that's. Um, and Myanmar is a great example of uh, the importance of having um, local relationships uh, because trust and integrity and, and what you're building is is everything. Uh, fortunately, just through like previous experience working there, uh, built some good good relationships with people I really trust over time um, who are equally motivated to, to make this uh, successful. And and right now, you know, it's it, it's them people who are from Myanmar that are that are leading the charge on in building that trust and and uh, who will be bringing it to. To, to those who need it most. Um, so I, I like they get the credit for that. Ultimately, I'm just fortunate enough to know them. Okay. Um, so I guess this relationship uh, component for markets that you are thinking of expanding to further, uh, what is first, first of all, what is a market that you guys are thinking of uh, penetrating next? And then um, are you guys kind of beginning to build out solidified relationships uh, now, uh, kind of separate from, I guess, the Genesis network now? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely would say we've moved well beyond the, the Genesis network stuff. Like we, we definitely have like nice solid relationships to get us going in our first region um, as a result of that. Uh, Next markets, though, is very much uh, dictated by like identifying um, a need and opportunity in each of these countries. Um, you know, like the disparity between uh, financial inclusion and mobile um, mobile phone uh, connectivity. Uh, and then there's another piece to it, and that is um, just who we want to be connecting people uh, to in terms of like commerce and business and so on. So like ideal markets we're going after Myanmar, where we're looking at uh, uh, Malaysia, uh, Thailand, maybe um, even Vietnam at some point uh, or Cambodia. So we're still kind of focusing in the regions because or that same region, because we're looking at 
uh, cross-border remittances. So we have a lot of migrant communities, or uh, yeah, migrant communities from Myanmar in Thailand, also in Malaysia. You know, these are people who want to send um, send money back home to friends and family in Myanmar, and they need a better way to do it. Um, and our way would basically make it much better, be safer, uh, faster, and certainly more cheap, uh, and then um, far more accessible. And then we also want to connect people with different sources of commerce that would be helpful to their businesses. So Singapore, of course, is a hub for uh, for commerce and business, and especially for financial technology, just you know, from the uh, corporate perspective. So we're also looking at how to um, bridge bridge um, bridge the gap between some of these countries and Singapore through our platform. And we also just uh, uh, incorporated a, uh, a subsidiary entity, subsidiary of our U.S. parent company in Singapore. Uh, so that should help us kind of move the ball forward as well. Um, but that's how we're thinking about it. Like, all right, let's do this kind of hub and spoke thing, set up our main company, uh, you know, regional operations in Singapore. And then, you know, on the on the ground activities, that's a little bit different. It's our right, Myanmar, Thailand, uh, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia. And then how are we tying each of those uh, markets into what we're trying to do in Singapore at the mm. higher level? Yeah. And I would love to know why you guys ended up developing your first regional uh first regional office in um singapore instead of in Myanmar or in thailand or any of the other cross-border countries you were referencing yeah uh so in terms of uh, the financial industry in southeast asia it tends to be a, a hub for like um most of these uh most companies that are operating regionally so even if you look at a lot of the um uh, the international banks that have branches in uh, in Myanmar, they're often headquartered in Singapore. Uh, it's just a tremendous ecosystem for startups um, and technology in general. Great like source of um, uh, expertise, uh, experience, and you know building relationships with prospective uh, partners on like the mobile financial services front or the just the technology front in general or partnerships that we may want to have with other financial institutions, whether microfinance, investment groups, um, traditional banks, what have you. It's really the, it's everybody's kind of like a, across the street from each other. Um, so it's just a good strategic move um, in, in, in that regard. Also just investment into, uh, into fintech uh, within Singapore alone um, has um, has taken off. I mean, it's on a whole different level. So for trying, for, you know, we're of course thinking about our next round of financing and we're shooting for the summer. Uh, so being in Singapore, it's a good place to make that happen. And then there's also like, Singapore's also got some um, good uh, uh, business relationships um, and uh, agreements with Myanmar that are a little bit different than the relationships the US and Myanmar have directly. So we've kind of like opened up a corridor uh, that makes a little bit more sense for conducting business between the U.S. and Myanmar by bringing in the Singapore piece. Interesting. Okay, we'll definitely look more into that. Um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a lot of a lot of uh, um, whiteboarding went into um, some of these decisions. So. <laughs> uh, I guess moving on to kind of more of the fun questions. Um, if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive, who would they be and why? Oh yeah, that's always a good one. Um, so usually uh, Amelia Earhart makes it into the mix just so I can figure out what the heck happened uh, <laughs> with that whole situation. But um, honestly, just based on what's going on right now um, in my immediate concerns uh, it, it would like, you know, for the people in Myanmar, um, I'd love to get like 
Aung San Suu Kyi, uh, the, uh, she, she represents the National League for Democracy, uh, who just basically was removed um, from the government and is currently detained. And maybe like Minong Lang, who is uh, the commander in chief of the military um, and, and leading the, the, um, the coup in uh, Myanmar at the time. Get them down at, sitting down at a table would be pretty great. And then let's bring in like a negotiator to help like resolve some issues and move forward. So maybe like N Nelson Mandela, like he was pretty stellar when it came to uh, <laughs> really difficult negotiations. So I bet if you get all three of them around a table, we got all night for this dinner, maybe uh, we could we could we could come up with some, some some meaningful solutions and hopefully move past uh, move past the coup and let people in, in Myanmar drive on with uh, better things. Um, I love that. Even during his day off or like dinner off, he is tackling um, the larger Myanmar coup situation. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I guess the last one, um, what in life are you most grateful for? You've done a lot of super meaningful work. Um, and also, I guess, to that same extent, what would you like our listeners to kind of uh, look back on within the resources that they have um, and take full advantage? How would you like them to take full advantage of them? Um, yeah, okay, well that's, yeah, fortunately those two like line up perfectly. Uh, I'm definitely most grateful for the, for the people in my life and the relationships that I have. Uh, I mean, on a, on a personal level, you know, friends, the friend, my, my friends and my family, obviously, but um, also with respect to Almond and any other bit of work I've done ever, uh, I've been really fortunate to have some fantastic, fantastic mentors and advisors. Um, you know, guiding me through the process or helping me get from one step to the next, or even right now with the, the, the team that we have, um, the, the almond team, we just have some fantastic people, uh, uh, that are, that are making this happen. Um, not like we would be back at the starting block somewhere, uh, facing the wrong direction if I didn't have, you know, the, the, the awesome, awesome people that are, that are on the team. So, um, full of like just so grateful for that and just and, and grateful for the fact that people um also have like a simple like you know a passion to do good things for for others to like have that have like this sense of um uh integrity and um this like genuine concern to have a meaningful impact uh is it's just it's just a beautiful thing to be surrounded by um, all the time and like by doing like working in this kind of field like you're that's what you get because otherwise you know you know if you're not getting paid and you're working around the clock and like just dealing with endless challenges um you're going to be gone unless you really really care about it so um i suppose for you know other entrepreneurs people that are working on startups um the the community the, the network the people that are closest to you, the team members that you're going to have uh they're definitely the, going to be the best resource and they're frankly going to make it all worthwhile and um and they'll probably they'll probably give you more than you could ever ask for um if uh and i would just you know say like pay, pay it forward the more you pay it forward the more you try to help others in return um the more it's going to come back around and then collectively like <laughs> we're going to solve some serious problems in the world uh so um that would, I guess that'd be my two cents um, on the matter. Yes, helping to 
build this entrepreneurial network, um, which is honestly kind of at the core of the Almond Finance model too. So I think that's a great way to end this episode. Thank you so much for your time, Adam, and we will close out. Awesome, thanks a lot, Chris.